Welcome to Voices from the Bench, a dental laboratory podcast. Send us an email at info at voicesfromthebench.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Greetings and welcome to episode 275 of Voices from the Bench. My name is Elvis. My name's Barbara. What's happening, Barb? How are you? Great. I am great. Okay, just great. <laughs> I love it. I wouldn't want it any other way. Nope. What's up with you? Well, we in Indiana are having a poor air quality report or warning. Oh, is that from the fires? Yes. Jesus. It's nuts. You could barely see buildings down the street. So you're days. not allowed to run or go uh, outside pretty much, right? Technically, no. Yeah, I don't. I I don't go outside. <laughs> well, that's pretty scary. I didn't realize it is pretty it traveled scary. that far down, but I've been kind of watching it. You know, it's just, uh, it, are the fires still burning or is it just the smoke left over? I think it's still raging. Wow. I think it's still burning. Yeah, I drove down to Derby yesterday, and when I drove into Louisville, you can usually see the city, but I couldn't even see it. Wow. Yeah, it's crazy. Well, stay safe. Yeah, no running for me. Yeah. I imagine it's crystal clear and beautiful in Florida. Yes, of course. Actually, it's been really, really, really hot. That's pretty normal for this time of year, but I'm going to Portland, Oregon. I'm leaving. I'm getting the hell out of here for a week with my children, and we're going to go hike Mount Hood and see the coast and go to Cannon Beach, and they're going to go sturgeon fishing, and I'm going to take the whole day to do whatever I want, and I cannot wait. That is awesome. Awesome. Well-deserved vacation. Yes. I'm... I see your kids catching fish all the time. Do you not get into that? No. And you know what? <laughs> I contemplated going and I said, you know what? It's I want to spend time with my kids. But then I said, well, hell, I'm going to spend nine days with them. So not <laughs> something I'm going to enjoy. So I'm going to go do my own day. So yeah. Yeah. Fishing kind of bores me. Well, these are sturgeons. So they're like as big as people. They're pretty awesome. But that's my children. They like it. And so... They're going to go do them, and I'm going to go do Barbara. Absolutely. Yeah. Sounds amazing. Thank you. Well, jealous. I need a vacay. Yeah. You should be. Yeah. This one's going to be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What's going on today, my friend? Even though I'm not running right now due to the air quality, uh, yeah, we are still and always raising money for the foundation of dental laboratory technology. As you, Barb, you, what are you going to swim, bike? And run. Yes, and that's pretty much all I'm doing this time of year. You already know that. Yep. And I'm just going to run because, you know, that's all You're I do. You're a runner. I'm, I'm a, a runner. runner too, but I don't know. There's something wrong with me that I'm doing all three. <laughs> just saying, Joe. It's just wrong with me. It, there's something wrong with anybody that does <laughs> those things. But we're doing this at the Chicago Triathlon on August 27th. So please, please, please. Please. Please go to the dentallabfoundation.org, click the Donate Now button, log in, select Race for the Future 9.0, and type in the name of the racer you want to sponsor. Now, there are many people from our industry that are doing this race, but for the purpose of the podcast... Yeah, we're kind of selfish. Absolutely. We need to be. You can type either Barb Warner or The Abutments, which is the team I'm on. Yeah, but... Mints. That's kind of perfect, actually. But go ahead. Or you can put in Voices from the Bench 
and they will split the money evenly between Aww, the two teams. I like that. That's fantastic. <clears throat> because it's a friendly money raising competition. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> I like the way you finesse the word friendly. Friendly. Even though Barb is out to crush everybody and raise the most money, we are still calling it friendly. All right. For now. So we're going to keep talking about this race until two things. Either the race happens on August 27th or we raise a million dollars. So. So we're going to talk about it until we did. <laughs> so if you want us to stop talking about it, please donate and maybe we'll get done a little early. And thank you if you do. I'm and absolutely. Thank, thank you so much. So this week, we take you back to LMT Lab Day West, thanks to our good friends at Ivoclar. This smaller than Chicago, but cozier and definitely warmer, event brought us a lot of great people to sit down with us and chat about so many things. First up this week is the president of the NADL, a lab owner, and an all-around good person, Heather Voss. Hi, Heather. Heather comes to us all the way from New York as she takes the president's tour of different lab shows. Heather talks about owning a one-person lab, the life balance that comes with it, some of the goals of the National Association of Dental Laboratories, and her initiative for more community engagement, and why a lab should join the NADL. A lot of info right there, just saying. A lot of info. She's doing a great job as president. Yeah. Much better than you did. I know. <laughs> and then we talk to the guy that can fix pretty much about everything. Uh-huh. Daniel Sirago is the owner of Garland Dental Services. If you ever had broken equipment repaired, it's a good chance that Garland did the repair. Heck yeah. Daniel talks about his background, how he accidentally stumbled across the dental lab industry, pivoting to fix today's equipment like Mills. And a nice tip if your burrs are not fitting all the way into your handpiece. So join us from LMT Lab Day West from the Ivoclar table as we chat with Heather Voss and Daniel Serargo. Did you know that not all zirconia is the same? Zircad Prime Zirconia from Ivoclar is uniquely produced with gradient technology which allows two powders that normally center at different intervals to be combined into one material which centers uniformly. The manufacturing process not only optimizes the translucent properties, but it also creates a seamless progression of shade while maintaining optimal strength. Zircad Prime is now more affordable than ever and will give you the results your dentist will notice. I've seen it. It's true. Contact your local Ivoclar sales representative today to find out more about Prime and how Ivoclar can support your success. And as always, we appreciate your support of the podcast, Ivoclar. Voices from the Bench the interview a backup partner yeah, that's right <laughs> i am the understood it who's that joe heather oh we talked you about don't this remember last this night. oh yeah no. no she was too busy talking mercury retrograde <laughs> with jillian yes i was <laughs> i'm guilty so here we are lab day west this is exciting my first lab day west i want to say yep. yep it's a nice vibe a little bit different than chicago for sure but 
I think our guest is our first Lab Day West. Is that right? uh, this is my first Lab Day West, too. Yeah. Nice. Awesome. Nice. Yeah. Heather Voss. Let's go. Heather Voss, MBA, CDT, current NADL president. And let's see. You were on our third episode? Oh, yeah. That was a long time ago. That was a when, long time when ago. When we did, like, the group. Wasn't it you? Oh, it was me. Was it? Was it? It was you and Jeff Strong. Oh yeah, yeah, Martha. Yeah, I remember that? Yep. Were you with that group? I can't remember. I can't remember either. That's so far along ago. I will say this: when we first started the podcast, I was worried that we'd only represent big labs. <laughs> yep. And I was like, yep. those are all the friends that I knew from the NADL and things like that. And then you helped put me in touch with a lot of solo smaller labs, and we did our first roundtable of just. Smaller labs. Yep. Small lads need love too. They do. Yes, they do. Do you do? And I hope we represent them well I think on the we podcast. Do. Yep. Yeah, I definitely think you guys do. Yeah. There's a good diversity. It's been a long while since you've been on. It is. What's Heather been up to? What has Heather been up to? Really just <laughs> living the dream. I don't know. You know, making my small lab work, yep. raising some kids. Yeah, getting a couple degrees. So you haven't become the Glidewell of the East. Never no. been my yeah. it, nothing against that. It's just never been for me. It's always been about doing a very specific type of yep dentistry. Um, and being small has allowed me to do that. It's also allowed me to be really flexible and being sure. a single mom. Yeah. So you know, when you've got a lot of kid responsibilities, it gives you a lot of flexibility to do those things. I mean, I've had the great fortune of being part of larger family-owned laboratories, no, we know you mid-sized yeah. lab, you know, family-owned labs, now my own one-person lab, and so I've gotten to see a great kind of cross-section of all different types of ways to, to service the, the dental community, and it's been, I've been really fortunate. Which one's been the less stressful, or are they just all different levels of stress? Oh, <laughs> I remember when you were commuting. Yeah. That had to have been tough. Yeah, that was yeah, tough. Yeah, but you go from having the ability to take a day off with people to cover you, and now there's nobody to cover you, right? There I mean, isn't, right. And it's like that, okay, if you're not working, you're not making money. But I think there's also a way when you're small and strategic, right, you price your products in a way that allows you to work smarter, not harder, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I'm a very niched dental laboratory, so I really, really focus a lot on comprehensive anterior cases, full arch cases, you know, anything that involves, you know, implant work as well, too. So it's just, you know, and that allows me, you know, a certain level of profit because I can charge a premium for something like that instead of really, you know, trying to compete against, you know, those, you know, like yeah. single centrals or, you know, yeah. as what, you know, anything like that. And again, I'm not, this isn't a criticism of anyone's business model. It's no, just, no. this is what has worked best for me. I work a really comfortable yeah. weekly work schedule. It there gives me go. the opportunity to be involved, you know, in the NADL and, you know, those causes that I really, really oh, yeah. um, love and feel passionate about because there's a lot of volunteering I do in, you know, my hometown. So, you know, you have to figure out what works for you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So can you give us a like bird's eye view of the NADL and the initiatives and all of the things that cuz I know you she's my best friend well, just of course. saying. She only and gets I know you're busting your serious ass three times and, a month <laughs> on the podcast. <laughs> and so like I just want to talk about like the things that you're working on, what's NADL doing, lab day, you know what are you guys doing here? Just kind of give us a little 
overview. Yeah, I mean, I've been really fortunate to have spent quite a bit of time on NADL and NBC boards, you know, volunteering, giving back. You did the whole NBC and you were the chair, right? I I was, yeah, yeah, the chair of that organization and then, you know, was lucky enough to be brought onto the NADL um, board and then continued, you know, serving the community that way. Um, And I think one of the things that is hard for a trade organization, especially one that, you know, we're not... There's no mandate, right, for us to have a voice, right? So it's all very voluntary. It's very, you know, you've got an amazing group of people who are passionately committed to furthering, you know, the cause, the education, you know, the profession as a whole, you know, making it, you know, people aware of what we do. But, you know, it can be hard to be ahead of the curve, right? We're always reacting to what the market does instead of being able to really lead what the market does. And sometimes there's a big gap in Mm. what, you know, you're, how you're perceived and what the market really needs. And I think what we've done in the last few years is really tried to shorten that gap. We've tried to do more, you know, getting to know who our constituents are, trying to find things that, you know, what are their pain points? How can we better serve those pain points? Um, Finding more ways to communicate, you know, especially, you know, we've got a, a big transition in the generations that are, you know, in our industry and how they communicate and, you know, the platforms they use. So we've really ramped up our social media presence, how our ability to be able to interact and and have them participate that way. So community engagement is more or less why we're here, right? Um, You know, there's several key meetings in the course of a year. You know, we've got LMT West, Chicago, East. We had our Vision 21 meeting, you know, in the beginning of the year in Vegas, which was outstanding. The energy was so incredible there. It's because I wasn't there. (laughs) It was I really bring it down. (laughs) That was the best meeting I've been to in years. And and I couldn't believe how many first-time attendees there were, how many younger lab owners and lab managers there were. Um, We had a first-time attendee reception there, and we had... 70 people show up yeah there was a line out the door it was was, was insane it was just it was just a way for them to be able to kind of connect with some people at at the meeting have some friendly faces in the crowd if it was their first time being there you know networking you know finding those other lab owners that you can kind of connect with and cross-pollinate with and um, so that was great and I think that's what we're just trying to do at every meeting right so we're having a fun happy hour today at you know at LMT West and we've got the NADL booth you know trying to talk about all the great programs and services because I think what people don't realize is NADL is really kind of this three-legged stool of three organizations right Mm -hmm. so you have the NADL which really talks a lot about business management and and operations and things like that legal legislation regulation all of that stuff right leadership (laughs) development all of that then we've got NBC which really helps with the technical the certification arm of it. And then we've yep. got the foundation. And the foundation is really that kind of donation, yep. kind raising of raising money for education, for training, um, to really support people. The grants, yeah. Exactly. I mean, I think last year they gave out like 170 grants. That's insane. I mean, it, the amount of money they're able to, I mean, and we're adding grants. They're adding, that that yeah. um, board is adding grants every day. Like we just put on a new leadership development course yeah, in that. Charlotte. Yeah. We had 10 grants for that. Yeah. We had 21 applications for it, right? It's just, we have the pillar scholarships for anyone who wants to get uh, their CDT or who wants to add another certification yep. specialty to that. So we get out 50, 60 of those a year. Like, so we're trying all these ways to try to really engage our community and let them know there is there is an organization that's here to support you there are resources available to you right and it's working yeah like i know it i feel like the cdt has a resurgence right now yeah like there's just a ton of people that want to get certified you've got the digital that's coming and i just feel like this reinvigoration of our yeah that digital workflow specialist it's been crazy like how well received it is and how (laughs) many people yep 
want to take it. Yeah. Well, what's interesting to me for a long time, everybody said digital shouldn't be its own specialty because it's a tool for the other specialties. But something happened where it's like they made that switch mm-hmm. and now it's a specialty and it's, it's awesome. And people are flocking to it. I mean, just they love it. But I think it can be both things. It, ca- it is a tool, right? Sure. Digital is a tool for us to be able to use in what we do. And it, it's only as good as the person using it. But I think you have a whole kind of class of technicians that don't know any different. Oh, right? Yeah, a lot of them. So yeah. what do we do? Just continue to exclude those people who want to have some presence and some, you know, recognition in the industry, you can't. You have yeah. to meet that need. And I think that was part of that whole kind of really understanding better, you know, what did those people out in the industry want? We're going to have a whole new generation that will never set an analog tooth, but will set teeth digitally. Crazy. That it's, is so true. It's crazy. Really uh, true. I'm one of them. Yeah. I've yeah. done my digital dentures and I've never set an analog tooth in my life. Well, so. and I think along that line too, so the NADL had a really... Um, really robust strategic planning session last summer. And we identified like four really key areas that we needed to put some serious time and effort and resource behind. And um, I think the community engagement was one of them, like kind of giving a human face to the NADL, right? I mean, I think, like you said, people don't know that our board is almost half female. We have laboratories that are one-person labs. We have laboratories that are, you know, conglomerates. We have a lab yeah. that has only been in the industry four years, and yeah. she came from an allied profession, right? Yeah. Like, so we've got lots of different voices, lots of different Which generations. A lot of people think Huge. the NADL is only just large-sized labs. labs. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. Not that's true. so not true. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, I mean, we've really, really changed that dynamic and created more um, diversity there. So we have more opinions, more perspectives, you know, a, a more comprehensive view of, you know, where is our profession going? Um, but what we realized is community engagement was one of them, workforce training and development. I mean, we hear that pain point all the time. Like, it's so hard to find technicians. Oh, when we yeah. find them, it's so hard to train them because it's usually on-the-job training, right? Because there's the so few yep. schools left mm-hmm. in the U.S. Um, so, you know, what can we do to help uh, support that need? And we're putting out a survey soon that's going to actually um, survey our membership, survey um, lab owners across the U.S. to ask them, what is it you need? You know, how does that look for you? What's your budget for it? Like, how would you, what would be of the greatest um, help or, you know, um, support yeah, to you? Yeah, do you want to send people? Do you want it to come to you? I mean, there's so many different ways to well, do it. Well, and I think that's it, too. I mean, we're a board of 15 people, right? You can't lead in a vacuum. You need to get the information from the people oh, that you serve. So, yeah. And so many times we'll make these you know, we try to make the best decisions we can, but I'm like, we need more data. We yeah. need more input, more voices. So we're really doing a better job of soliciting that information from our membership and from other people. To How do those surveys go? People, I mean, do you get a lot of... We surprisingly get a really good response rate. Um, yeah, that's good. Yeah. Normally they say like 6 to 7% or it's really low response, but you're getting higher than that. Yeah, I know you are. We get really, we get probably in the double digits yeah. for some wow. of ours, Which for is sure. fantastic. Yeah. Because normally people are like, eh. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. when I see it, I'm like, I want to fill it out. And the questions are super relevant. And you can, you can see that they're trying to pull information out to utilize it to better the industry, which I think is important. As well, and I think so. it's also, in addition to getting the data from, you know, the, what you're you're gearing that survey too. you get demographic information so we can better understand like how is the profession changing like who is the face of it what's their age what's their education level uh, you know 
kind of figuring out a way like you know who is it that you know we're really really reaching with this and then how do we fill in any of those gaps that may exist so workforce development training is going to be a big one coming down the pike we've got an operational effectiveness we'll just it's kind of like more of an internal look like are we leveraging all of our resources and all of our capabilities to the best possible way. I think, you know, recently we just launched on social media that we're unifying all of our social media yes, pages. I saw that. Yep. And I think the thought was, you know, we have three separate organizations and some people would be subscribed to all three of them, right? So you're seeing that same content come across your feed four, five, six times, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And there's always some confusion, like what exactly is the foundation? And mm-hmm. I thought, you know, NBC was the same thing as the NAD. Like, there's a little bit of confusion in the marketplace, so we totally. want to try to kind of bring it all under one umbrella so it's a little bit more um, well understood, a little bit framed, you know, so that people can, can get where we're going with it and there's more transparency in the whole process. So that's happening. And then occupational awareness. Like, how many yeah. times have we all been smarter? They're like, oh, you make teeth? I thought my dentist made yeah. teeth, right? Like, people don't even know we exist. Yeah. And if we really want to try to, you know, help with that, you know, recruiting and attracting technicians, we've got to be able to have those tools available yep. to do that and support the people out there. So the foundation has helped with a, with some grant money for the NADL so that we can fund almost like a toolkit that we'll be handing out to high schools and to guidance counselors yes, and I to community colleges. Um, we'll have, we just posted that YouTube video. Was it Did October? You see, uh, Martha Triad took her lab to uh, like oh, a yeah, great I did. school. I saw yeah. that on Facebook. And all so those little cool. kids are all yes. playing cool. with this. You got to get them early. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think, you know, what we've just, you know, and it's going to be grassroots. I mean, we are a volunteer organization, right? It has and to be. it's not like we have millions of dollars of, you know, money to be able to fund these initiatives. So we do what we can, yeah. you know, and it's, you know, the Martha yeah. Martins, who she's an amazing yeah. you know, supporter of CDTs and of the profession and in her community. And I think we're just trying to inspire people to do that wherever they can. And I think people forget, you know, when you think about the NADL is that it is an organization of people that are given their time and their love and their passion and trying to better it. And it's like without those people and those people are all in our industry. Yeah. And so I think sometimes we we forget to connect the dots when we want to, you know, be negative towards that is that it's actually us. Well, and so I just I got an opportunity to meet a lovely um individual earlier this morning and she was talking about how she's from a different industry and she you know is in finance and investing and um, kind of like happened upon the dental lab profession and so she was looking into doing some investing in this space and she's like you know one of the things that I really really you know was excited about and interested in she's like is a you know it's just this really kind of steady stable growth in this industry right Hmm. she goes but the thing that really sold me about why to invest in this sector is because of the people. She's like, anyone, she's like, you know, I've done months and months of research and reaching out to people and going to meetings. And she's like, the people are so incredibly genuine and authentic and really, really committed and passionate about what they do. And she's like, if you're going to invest in something, you want to invest in, in that, in the people, you know what I mean? You hear about other industries. They're not nearly. Oh, the way that we engage and share information. And we're like, I'll tell you what I'm doing. I'm not threatened by you. You want to know how I'm milling or what zirconia or how I'm layering? And everybody's just so ready to share information. And Mm -hmm. it's always been that way. I remember when I was in my 20s and my dad took me to my first show, I was like, wow, this is just so incredible. You can feel that energy and that passion. And I just, I don't know. I I, I think think Barb and I have like that same kind of... 
we've grown up in this industry. We're both second generation, right? That's Our right. dads yeah. both had labs. Yeah. So we did. Like, I've known some of these owners since I was a kid, right? And then you see a lot of the same phases, but you see so many great new ones. But that same kind of camaraderie yeah. and just goodwill and just amazing, like, you and me. I mean, we've yeah. been friends forever. Like, these are lifelong relationships you'll have. But you know what I hear, see a lot online because you know Barb, I spend so much time online. Yes, I know. Stalker, stalker, stalker. <laughs> so He's many, got a lot of time. So many people mention like they're in a lab and they would never bring their kids into this industry. Mm. And I see that a lot now. That's I've never seen that. Really? That's oh, really I have to for sure. Yeah, My son's sure. a technician now, and I love it. And yeah. I was always, and he absolutely dove right in and loved it. But why? I, I don't, don't understand. know. And I think that's what I think that's something that should we should focus on is bridging that next generation gap again. I mean, yeah. yes, it happens to Joe Young's and, 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 the, and the Megan's. You know, they're doing it now, but we need to continue that. Yeah. You know, people are... I, every, every single podcast we ask, how did you get into it? It's always either a family member or somebody neighbor. that they knew yeah. that introduced it to them because, like you said, we need to get the occupational awareness out because people really don't know about us unless yeah. they know a family member or a father or whoever. Yeah. And but we are a great alternative for someone who, you know, obviously maybe secondary education isn't, yes. you know, like both my kids. Right neither one of them wanted to go yep. to college, right? They're doing other things that they enjoy. But for those people who love to work with their hands and who are creative and who are, you know, just hands-on. I think if you go into a high school with a design software and a 3D printer, you'd have most of them ready to jump on board yeah. just because it's so exciting yeah. and so cool. Yeah. And it's like, I get to do this for a job? And yeah. Like, yeah. They get excited about that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, I think one of the things that, in addition to getting them excited, is we have to really figure out how to ramp up their ability to earn a living yeah. in this industry. Because, I, I mean, yes. if I think yes. about it... it I was really fortunate. It was a, I grew up in a much different time, but it was probably 10 years as a technician before I really thought to myself, like, wow, I, I got it, right? Like, I feel pretty good about what I'm doing. Like, I feel like, you know, I know what the heck I'm doing. Yeah. We don't have 10 years in this generation to be able to get them invested. And, and you know what I mean? And especially from a financial perspective. So I think that's another area where, you know, we really have to figure out how to solve that problem because these kids want to make a living and they want to be independent from day one. Yeah. And we <laughs> have to be able to either figure out different ways to get there or, you know, change, you know, our, our mindsets about, you know, cause we have so much baggage from how we did it, you know, I'll be honest, I'm living that life because, you know, I, I say this a lot, but my son's a technician and he's just like hungry to make money. Yeah. He's like, I can't live on, you know, eighteen, nineteen dollars an hour. Yeah. Like, I want to make thirty, thirty-five, and how do I get there? And you know, what do I need to learn? And you know, we can't hold them back because they're passionate. Like, yeah. he just, you'll lose them if you hold them yeah. back. And yeah, and that's all that twenty, that generation, yeah. man. They want to. You can't be paying people twelve bucks an hour anymore. They can't live. You no. know, not that we are. I'm just saying in general. I mean, these these people no, want to make mean, some yeah. money. It's we, important. We have to change the mindset of what we pay people yeah. to come into labs and. It's hard to do when you just can't start raising prices. But, right. I mean, right. we're not, that's not unique to our industry. Not one bit. But even though it's not unique, doesn't mean it's still not an issue that exactly. we don't have to figure out how to, how to solve, exactly. right? A problem that we need to solve. Yeah. Yeah. We have to make the game big enough for them and quick enough for them. Yeah. Yeah. So how do we do that, President? Listen, I am open <laughs> she to just told input. <laughs> I am open to input. I never said I had all the answers. Hey. I'm just really, really excited about. Yeah. Wave you know. your magic wand. <laughs> fix fix everything. If uh, I'm just Easy give, button. <laughs> I'm going to give props to Heather right now. I know how much uh, time she's been spending. And, you know, when you're the president of the NADL, you're spending six, seven 
you know, hours probably a week or more on your behalf. Well, let's talk about your I role mean, a like, little yeah, bit. Maybe people don't understand I know you're exactly. on committee calls and you're on board calls and you're on, I My mean, it's taken subject. a lot of your time. It is, but I think anything done well does mm-hmm. right like I, I'm not I've never been what they say <laughs> I've never been a half I was use my whole life you know um so I don't ever have never done anything halfway but I think you know you want to leave a positive imprint if I'm doing this I'm taking all this time away from other you know things I could be doing I want to make sure that I'm having a positive impact and and it's not like you just became the president I no. mean you, you, you oh, sit on the board for a while yeah, absolutely the, absolutely what is it laboratory at large or whatever it's called you work your way up to presidency yeah I mean you're elected by your peers so yeah. the board elects you to you know to fill that role and but I think it's it's like anything else like I'm competing against myself in this right so I just you know if I'm going to you know, commit the the year to it, you know, if I was, you know, fortunate enough and blessed enough to be elected by my peers, then I don't want to let them down, right? So, you know, we've got some big goals that we want to try to achieve. And I know it will take far more than the one year that I have, but if I can at least set the foundation so that, you know, Denise, when she's president next year, and then, you know, whoever becomes president after her, you know, if I can set the foundation, at least the momentum so they can carry it through. And I think, that's always been one of my kind of little pet peeves. Yeah. You know, I've, I sit on lots of boards for different organizations, and there seems to be like, you know, the president is the island and does all the work on their own instead of really bringing in the entire executive team or the entire board and really engaging them, right? And what you have is, if, especially if, like in a lot of these boards, it's a one-year term. Right. So then how do you create the consistency? Like, how do you keep those initiatives instead of having to stop and start and stop and start, right? Yeah. It's like a three, five-year plan. Yeah, you really do. Yeah. And so, you know, we had the strategic planning meeting last year. We, you know, I meet with my executive committee every month. We talk about, like, okay, so what do we need to be doing now? And, you know, what's the timeline for that? Like, who's going to be able to finish this and take it over the finish line, right? Yeah. And then what do we need to do now? To, you know, so it's all these little, like, planning steps that have to happen so that we don't feel those kind of abrupt stops and starts. We don't lose that momentum because – Again, we're volunteer, right? There's only so much. I mean, and don't get me wrong. Partners who's our, manage, our association yeah. manager, they do an amazing job. I mean, they, they have some rock stars. They really do make us look good in a lot of ways. Sure. But, you know, it's still, they, it's still our yep. organization, we and we have it. to give them that direction. We have to give them that, you know, guidance on where we want to go and what we need them to do, you know? So, yeah. Is a year long enough? Hell no. It is. <laughs> if you're talking about, like, are you ready when you're done at the end of the year? Yeah. yeah. Like, if they said, Heather, we're going to make it four years, <laughs> would you be upset or you're, would you Oh, be I bet you'd like, be all in. Like, yeah, yeah well, four years four is years. a long time. It is a long two, time. three, I could totally well, see Well, I think that. what people don't realize is how much time you put in before you actually are president, sure. right? So, if you, you have two two-year terms that you're eligible for on the board. Um, and then you move into the executive and that's committee. What, three years to and move that's up? Secretary, treasurer, vice. Yeah, you're talking eight to ten years. So you're yeah. talking eight Seriously. to ten year commitment, yeah. right? So I feel like that's enough time for me to have to have um, participated and contributed. Like you need new voices, you need new perspectives. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Like I'll always be available for committee work. You know, I do a ton on the NBC board. You know, I'm, I've been really involved in the digital workflow digital. specialist and, you know, helping, you know, create the questions and yep. what the practical looks like. I'll always volunteer, but I don't think I need to be in the leadership <laughs> position. You know what I mean? I think you no, need other answer. people to have that opportunity and yeah. to be able to contribute. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, fantastic. So your cocktail party this afternoon. Cocktail so what's up? Parties. I heard you had some swag and like, what do you guys talk to us about that? Yeah, listen. So we talked a lot about how great the people are in this industry, right? And so f- it should be these really great kind of casual environments, right? Where you can have a cocktail, 
beverage of your choice, right? You get to kind of, again, engage, meet new people, you know, learn more about other people and what they're doing. And maybe you can like share some wisdom or some tips or techniques. Maybe you just give a younger technician a little bit of a base or some resources. So when they need something, you know, they have someone to reach out to. And it's, you know, I tend to be a little irreverent in my um, sense of humor and my approach to life. So, you know, (laughs) (laughs) we are. I don't know anything about that. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, so yeah, so we're going to have some fun kind of, you know, snarky, kitschy, you know, stickers that have, you know, all the sayings we think about day to day in our laboratory, you know, and, you know, I love teeth. Or I'm a dental technician and I'm silently judging your teeth or, and you know, just, you know, ways people can customize their laptop or the water bottles that we'll have there or whatever way they want to show their dental laboratory pride. Right. So it's just kind of a way to do something fun, you know, keep it out there, keep the you know energy and the excitement and kind of. You know, the humor, because there's a lot of humor in what we do. And you've got to find the humor. the only way we get through the day. Honestly. (laughs) If you don't laugh, you will go crazy. Yeah. So it's kind of like, you know, a little levity. And, you know, it can sometimes be, you know. So that's what we're aiming for. Well, I think that's great. And I know a lot of these initiatives have been your idea. I love the fact that you had the new um, at the Visions meeting. Everybody came to Heather's room, and it was just so exciting. And you know, what was going to Heather's room? That was where we had our first time. Uh, yeah, but reception. like it exploded. It in was amazing in our suite. Yeah. And then oh. today, yeah. great idea. And I know you're traveling a lot. You're going to Ladies of the Mill. You're going here. I mean, you're you know, you're out there. Yeah, listen, and I think that's great. Ideas. Everyone's got lots of them, right? Yep. But it takes a team to really you know be able to execute them. So while I may have all the crazy ideas i there's an amazing team oh, you yeah. know that helps For execute sure. all of that so um you know they're what allow us to get a yeah. little you know creative and, and fun with it all right you ready for the hard question 100 percent. all right why would somebody that's not a member of the nadl join what's the benefit you know it's, it's probably it's along the same lines as why I become a cdt right yep. like you get i get that question a lot and maybe it's not for everyone mm-hmm. right but for me it's always been about surrounding myself with people who I admire, who I respect, who I can learn from, who I can help and support, right? I think the NADL has so much of that. But not only that, there are so many incredible resources that I think people just don't realize are there. And it's not that hard to find, right? And it, we're a phone call away if you're not, if you're a Luddite like Barbara and you, you can't be on I'm the getting computer. all teary-eyed and passionate over here and then I get called a Luddite. <laughs> Listen, it's I'm not bad. Like, oh. it's no, not bad. I know. I just love, I love um, listening to the passion. So it is, it's something that you have to see the bigger, like, what's in it for me? What's in it for you is the ability to expose yourself to so much more than mm-hmm. just being sitting at your bench or, you know, in your lab or wherever you are. And it, that's either an intrinsic desire or it's not, right? It's a pretty low price point to get into. It's not like it's, you know, thousands of dollars to join. It's $100 or Three fifty, I think, is the yeah. lowest level for the smallest lab. So three fifty a year, a year. Oh, that's like yeah. nothing. Yeah, yeah. it's so, doable for sure. I mean, it's a super low bar to get into financially, and if you take advantage of it, if you engage with it, that's really where the value comes in, yep. right? It's not going to like just sprinkle all over you magically, yeah, like don't pixie write a dust, check right? And just, and just think waiting. like, sit there yeah. waiting for it to happen. You have to be engaged. But I think the strongest thing that, or one of the best things we can do for our industry, especially considering we're voluntary is have a strong trade association, have a strong voice. Like we have to be able to be present at the table when we're talking about the ADA, right? Or um, any of the the federal regulatory things. You need someone who can be there and can interface 
and that's what a strong there trade are organization decisions that affect our industry that have no idea, idea what we do what we do or how we yeah. do it yeah so we need to be at that table yeah. and the only voice right now that's doing that is the NADL yep. so if you well if you are worried yeah. about what that looks like in the future that's why you support an organization yeah. That is a great answer. I yeah. thought you were going to just talk about the benefits like no. UPS savings and, no, and health care and all it's that. It's so much more than that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, you're a hell of a president. Yeah, Heather. thank you. <laughs> thank you, guys. I appreciate it. And our first it. LMT West interview. Whoop, yes. whoop. Love. Yes. Thank you. Much love. Yeah, you guys um, are doing congratulations. great Congratulations. I'm super proud of you. Aw. And everybody else, not just you, but it's- The whole it's, board. The whole It's amazing to see what's happening right yeah. now, and I just love it, so- Thank you. I got Thanks, a little guys. emotional. Yeah. Just got a little bit clamped. Right. I'll be all right. Yeah. Thanks, guys. I really Thank appreciate you. it. Thank you. Have fun at the cocktail party. I we got to go. Stickers. Yes. Stickers. Well, good morning, sir. Good morning. We have it's the. Ex- Daniel. How do you pronounce your last name? Sirago. Sirago. Yeah. Daniel got that? Sirago. 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 Daniel Sirago is joining us. At LMT Lab Day West, thanks to our good friends of Ivoclar. Yeah. Uh, who had an amazing dinner last night, yes. by the way. Gotta, I ate to throw that much. in. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I got a fast today just to keep up with the calories from last night. So our good wow. friend Marlon from Oregon yep. suggested that we talk to you. Okay. Yep. And you're with Garland Dental Equipment Services. Or you are them, correct? That's your company? I own the company. Awesome. I have seven employees, and we've been in business since 1996. So what do you do? Well, initially, we started, I started off servicing uh, high-speed handpieces. It was all the rage back then, mom-and-pop shops uh, coming up to service uh, high-speed and slow-speed handpieces for the dentists. Oh, for the dentist. Right. Wow. Now, my original background was in marine electronics. I have my commercial licenses. I do all types of radio transmitters, satellite transmission, all that kind of What was it, marine? uh, Like uh, commercial ships, tankers. Oh, wow. That kind of stuff. And I was a communications officer in electronics. I took care of all of that. A lot of ships were automating back by that time, so... I was the guy that kept all that stuff going. But, you know, you're gone. It's arduous. You're gone six months out of the year sailing. So my kids were getting older. So my dentist, just prior to him doing a crown prep, his handpiece went out, and he thought, you know, jam. He he thought of you. He said, you know, maybe we should have somebody locally here that could fix these things. He was not in touch with reality. He, you know, in fact, there <laughs> were. He's a dentist. Touch. Come on, <laughs> that's surprising to hear. When I did research, there were probably twenty-five other mom and pop handpiece repair places in the Dallas-Fort Worth area in 1996. Wait, that many? Yes, that's a lot. I had no idea that was. It had been featured in Entrepreneur Magazine two separate times about one of the best up-and-coming businesses. and it Repairing just, hand pieces for yeah, dentists. Which I didn't know until well after the fact. Wow. Right. However, I walked into, I cold called 800 and some, just under 900 dentists in a, in a two-month or three-month period of time, leaving my information to try to get the company going. And one of the times I walked into this place and I went, mm, this is very different. And it was a dental lab. I was just going to say, and it you was thought a it was dental a dentist. Lab. Didn't know the difference. Yeah, it had the word dental in the title. Uh, uh, ding, ding, uh, ding, my ding. Total background was in maritime electronics and communications and whatnot. I had no 
idea about dentistry. It was a totally different world. And so I just, uh, you, you, back in those days, you can buy specified lists on a CD, and it would cost you maybe, you know, 60 bucks, 100 not the $1,000 you buy today for the same data. But phone numbers, addresses, all of this, I would collate lists by zip code, do all this cold calling, build the company. Yeah, long before uh, being able to just go on Google. That's correct. Yeah, exactly. And so uh, I walked into a lab, and there's all this different type of equipment here. And this guy was very, very interested in why what I was doing and why and all of this. I can't remember his name, but I remember where the lab was located in Dallas. Yeah. And he just showed me a bunch of things, and he says, well, this doesn't work. He says, could you oh. fix that? And I said, you know, I fix a lot of things I've never seen before. Just load me up with what you want to give me a, tr- a shot at. And a lot, oh, there was like three porcelain furnaces by Jelenko. There were I still uh, have that. Demko alloy grinders. There was a, a, a bunch of stuff. I must have put about 300 pounds of stuff in my car. He had all this stuff just not working. Not just working. around waiting for this so magical guy mine, to come man. in. <laughs> and there's nobody doing this. There was nobody in the U.S. doing this except for the manufacturers. Yeah, they, which is... Not fun to get them to repair stuff. It was time. It was a yeah, lot you of things. Ship so, it out. Yeah, and I found my niche. That's that's where it went. I actually stopped cold calling on dentists. Dentists can be wonderful people, but sometimes they're not, and yeah. it's different. Lab guys, on the <laughs> other hand, on the whole, were just more grounded, more yeah, you know, sure. just kind of understood. We- we know. You know the difference. <laughs> so so what did you do? So you took it back to your shop and just figured out how to open up an oven? And I what mean, I how do. How do you figure it's out how to fix an oven that you've never seen? Did they give you seen? the manuals or did you go in blind? I went in blind. That's and insane. did a lot of my own homework. I got uh, manuals from the manufacturers. And over time, I developed a reputation to somebody who can figure this stuff out. And I worked on all sorts of different ovens. Back then, one of the most difficult ovens to find somebody that could repair was the 3M manufactured them, and they were fantastic ovens in the 80s. In their day, they were probably light years ahead of anything. They were just well-engineered, but nobody knew how to fix them except for one guy out in California. Yeah. And I ended up... uh, getting my hands on a few of these things and it was all what we call 8080 technology the processor was an 8080 processor which means it's going to use certain things it's going to do this everything follows a certain pattern and so it was i'm going to nod like i know what you're talking about yeah (laughs) i understand that and i i I do just just look at me funny when i digress into tech sure yeah no i love it though but uh it was just one of those things. This is what I do. I, I was. This is my gift. You know, God touched me this way. It's the only way I know to say it. I never went to a course in electronics. I would read a book, and it worked. It just makes sense to me. It's like, it's like I watched a video yesterday. I'm a musician. My primary love and what I went to college for was to be a French horn player, and I do play French professionally. French horn, wow. And I do play professionally. But I don't have the gift like I do with fixing things and just looking at something I've never seen before and understanding it and and, and making it work. That's amazing. It's just, that's what it is. I watched a video of this seven-year-old girl holding a trumpet that's about half her size already, (laughs) and she's playing fantastically. 
at seven. I, I don't play that well at 65 and been playing for 40-something years or 50 years, and she's seven years old, and she's just God, God touched this person. Everybody's got a thing. Everybody's got a thing. That's the way it yeah. is. So I don't have an explanation other than this is my gift. So my, you my started gift. off yourself cold calling, but now you're, you said, how many? Seven employees? Seven employees. Are you nationwide? We is one location, but everybody ships their stuff yeah. to us. We, we've sent to you before. I, I, I don't really deal with that in the lab, but I kind of remember seeing the Garland brand. Yeah, this, uh, well, we've seen a, a huge attrition rate in laboratories. In 2012, I hired a temp employee to go over my customer base to call out and call everybody that we had on the list find out who sold or retired or you know all that kind of stuff and we had at that point uh, 4,900 almost 5,000 labs wow okay and out of that when that was done we ended up with about 38 3,900 that were still active okay this is 2012 yeah I did this again in 2019 or 2020, just, bef- you know, just before COVID, that, yeah. yeah, right at that area, and it had dropped down to about 16, 1800. Wow. So we have lost a tremendous amount of labs. Uh, the overall picture is uh, about 6,000, is what they say yeah. currently. We have a lot more larger labs. The, our backbone for years was the small one to five man lab. Sure. Yeah. Okay, and that's not extinct, but it's been cut down quite a bit. Yeah, you know, outsourcing, zirconia, all of this, uh, you know. So has your changes has your repair ability grown with technology Printers. and everything? I mean, obviously, what Mills. you're what you're repairing <laughs> in the '90s is not what you're repairing in the true 220s. that's true <laughs> the bulk of what we fixed were uh porcelain and pressing furnaces uh, yep. as far as the high-end induction casting machines i yeah. did a whole range of those uh jelenko's uh pro casters uh, we had uh, a lot of those of course we ended up being the repair center for jelenko which turns into colzer uh, hooray's colzer oh yeah so their their casting machines is a whole product and, and, and many other manufacturers. We, uh, we do see now, we, I go out and I do mills. I was going to say, so yeah. now you travel, correct? I have to travel for repairing some of these larger yeah. mills for Amon Gerbach yep. specifically is our, probably our largest uh, customer base for what we do. But we're also uh, Roland, and uh, in the future, very shortly, we'll be uh, uh, KDF. Uh, so you're authorized by those companies to repair? Roland or? Roland and Amon Gerbach currently, yes. There yeah. are other companies that we're not authorized. But, but you do, they, yeah. If we know the parts in the machine, yes. I mean, a lot of companies, they, they'll they give you a tacit approval under the table. They yeah. don't want to sit back. They'll sell you parts. They'll give you a discount. But they're not going to let you say you are authorized, yeah, which yeah. is fair. You know, they want to, you know. They want to sell a warranty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough. I mean, it's it's and it's a tough business. There's a lot of money going around, but it's hard to make and sustain that. It's yeah. it's, it's um, people don't understand. In order to be a good uh, 
milling machine technician, it's not the same as fixing almost any other piece of equipment because you have to be able to see in your mind in a three-dimensional because the machine operates in a three-dimensional space. So when you've done everything and it looks right on the mechanical side, but when you mill, this not coming out right, things are wrong, you have to sit back and say, okay, what's this machine doing? And you have to kind of see it from the machine's perspective. Yeah, It's kind of a 3D thing. I'm kind of okay at this. There are people that see 3D much better. Interesting, yeah. <laughs> but I'm, I'm decent enough that I get by. But it's just that's, that's where the difference is. And these people are worth, you know, serious dollars to do that well yeah yeah so it's it's not you know the average technician that does your chair repairs or your lights or whatnot can do some of the basic repairs on a mill but if it's something that's really deep inside it's you have to have somebody that has that kind of understanding there's a lot going on in these mills i mean it is it's not one thing spinning you know what i mean plus all the electronics i imagine that's really made it harder to repair when you start adding all the, the fancy yeah. user interfaces. I mean, some of these things have, like, iPads attached to them. And well, and that's the software and user interface side to it. So there's a whole, yes, it's, it's not just one thing. It's, there's a myriad of facets to a good milling system working from the computer to your scanning side first, really, to the computer and whatnot. It, uh, it gets uh, a lot of uh, high in technical disciplines, yeah, in order to to do what, what, what's happening out there, it's a, it is really. But having said that, not to push it the wrong way, but the technology that we're dealing with has been around 30, 40 years. Yeah, this dentistry is new to it. Yeah, <laughs> it's relatively new, and uh, I it's it's a different world for a lot of the dentistry, but it's not to the uh, commercial uh, milling world. I see what you're saying, yeah. Yes, and uh, and on a scale of 1 to 10, the, the demands for technical exactness in dentistry uh, is probably a, a 3 out of 10, yeah. a 4 out of a 10. There's milling requirements that get down into nanometers, and th- you know, tenths of nanometers. Sure. Of micro- you know, but we're, we're dealing in tens of microns. Yep. And, you know, if you can get something within 50 or 100 microns, you don't even notice that. No. No, no, yeah. So, you know, it's a, it's a different world, but the, tech, the, the, the complexity of it is no less regardless. I yeah. mean, it's just there's a, just a degree of accuracy that we don't have to have. We have a, a slightly easier ride. So you said you have seven employees. Yes. So do you train them? I mean, how does I that I train work? the four uh, bench techs that we have. Um, and uh, most of my employees, I think the shortest one now is seven years or eight years. Yeah, so uh, there are various parts. We do we have our hand pieces guys, which most people have to know how to do all the hand pieces. Uh, I have one tech that takes care of, like, the ultrasonics and the suction units and some of the larger, well, you they know, specialize on That's exactly what yeah. I was going to yeah, say. Yeah, they will do that. I have one guy that takes care of my furnaces and most of the the, the casting machines that... Still are in use. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we sell yeah. parts and we, we service them. There, there are people that have specialized that their whole lab now is to outsource copings. 
Yeah. They have three or four casting machines, and that's all they do, eight, ten hours a day. And they oh, are wow. doing equipment. I, I want to put a plug out there. Zirconia is what it is, but it's, it is not 80, 90% of the market. It's not even close to that. Uh, just talk to Arjun. Arjun's your guys, you know. How much metal are they selling now? How much metal were they selling then domestically? And you'll find that there was a plateau. The saturation, there is a requirement out there that requires PFM still. Uh, zirconia is wonderful. but Come it, to the Midwest. We're still doing them. Yeah. There's a lot of docs still doing PFM. And so, and, and so is Emacs. Emacs is, or any of those lithium silicate slash disilicate yeah, yeah, products. Yeah. It hasn't gone away. And, you know, I don't know that it should. Great. Yeah, uh, so there'll be new materials these uh, ketone materials that are coming out and developing and growing so it's an evolving technology and you know some really interesting yeah ways. i don't want you to name a brand but what do you repair the most hand pieces i imagine you see a ton of those things yes we do yeah they're still used and uh, the use of zirconia is harder on hand pieces oh, yeah. than porcelain ever was yeah I, I, I liken, and it's not even an, an, a good analogy, but uh, when people were doing non-precious metals and they're cutting and, and having to you know, finish off their, their non-precious you know, uh, materials, it's very hard on hand pieces. And zirconia is worse. Yeah. If you and you don't get the do dust it. up inside. And I'm sure that nukes it. Yeah, that does hurt. Uh, and, but that's a common problem forever. You know, we used to see a lot of porcelain dust in the hand pieces as well. If they're not close up to suction, and, yeah. you know, the hand pieces actually create their own vacuum. As that thing spins, it'll sucks actually suck yeah. the dust in. Interesting. So, what's, what's the biggest problem with the hand piece that they, they stop working all together? The bearings in the nose fail more okay. than any other component. But they're meant to fail over time, right, and be replaced? I mean, I don't know much about hand pieces, honestly. Well, <laughs> brushes I've heard. theoretically, if you can create it in such a way that you can eliminate or uh, obstruct the vacuum yeah. that is created down right by the actual spindle due to the spinning yep. effect, uh, and you don't get dust in there, like the motor sections on some of these hand pieces can go two, three times the length of the uh, spindle. Oh, nice. Yeah. And so, yeah, and also that's where the load is you're pushing. And yeah, whatnot. Yeah, yeah. Now, in zirconia, yeah, it's a different technique. You can't use a lot of pressure. Yeah. It's, uh, but there is some stuff they'd have to do, they're cleaning and whatnot, adjusting. You know, it, it just takes the life out of them. So mm -hmm. I have a hand piece that I use when I do chair side, but uh -huh. I don't think it, I think there's something stuck in there. It doesn't go all the way in. Well, if you can take the chuck out, you might have just built up a lot of dirt really? inside the chuck because it gets sucked in yep. over time. And then you push your burrs in there, and it acts like a nice, you know, uh, you keep going what like do they call those things yeah. in, the, in the old cannons? Plunger? Where you yes. plunge <laughs> right. push yeah. the, the gunpowder and press it down with the, the, the wadding so and whatnot. So you think it's just gunk? Yeah. That's the first place I would look, <laughs> yeah. yes. Yeah, that's a very common 
issue. And me turning it upside down and shaking, it's not going to work. Well, you right? could go nope. like this, boom, boom, <laughs> boom, against your toes. See, if you take a, 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 a like a, a carbide uh, that's got a ball at the end of it and that's smaller than the diameter, you can go up in there and you oh, can try. Oh, the opposite way. That's a yeah. good idea. See if you can kind of bust I usually, it up. What I usually do is take another handpiece and I'll put it at the very end of the chuck and so it's sticking out and then feed it into spinning very slowly. And just use it to do the work, and you just keep tapping in, and you pull back, and you can see the stuff just pouring out of the. And you'll know when you hit metal to metal. Yeah. <laughs> you hear it. You so, know when you fixed it. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. I'm going to try that, and then if not, I'm going to send it to you. Yeah. Okay. Because this is the handpiece they gave me, and I'm like, what is this? Seems it, it's sticking out too it's far. It's sticking out too far. Yeah. It's probably got dirt inside of it. Interesting. That's a very common problem. Well, there you go. There's yeah. a good tip for everybody. Exactly. Clean your hand, please. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah, thanks, Daniel. That's appreciate you stopping by. I appreciate by. you coming mm, over. Not a problem. I've never had this repair, yeah. and it's it's interesting, and it's a great service. Yep. One we, we need for sure. Yep. Yeah. Because I know every lab, I've been to a lot of labs, they have that closet of uh, stuff that doesn't work too well anymore. <laughs> and it's all well, <laughs> packed away. Our policy has always been to do free estimates. There are a few exceptions because you just have to do a fair amount of work just to get down to figure, to out, figure out what, what it is. is. Yeah. Uh, and we try to let them know ahead of time. But the vast majority of products we have, we can look at them in a decent amount of time where we can feel that we get enough people that end up wanting it done. The incentive is send it in. We do provide uh, uh, estimates at no charge, and if you decline it, the only thing you have is the the cost of the shipping it back shipping, to you. Yeah, Sweet. yeah. I think that's so, not a bad deal for yeah, a couple hand pieces. Absolutely, because yeah. I well, know everyone's got a drawer full of ones uh, that don't work. I, yeah, hand pieces, do. waxers, suction units, lathes. We see those. Yeah, types of uh, model trimmers. Uh, gosh, I would say if you go to Garland Dental. Dot com. Perfect. Okay, yep. www.garlanddental, two Ds in the middle. And you, we have our whole catalog that's on there. So in the last few years, uh, we have expanded that we sell products from the companies that we are repairing. Yeah. Wow. That's so awesome. they're selling us their parts. We are authorized for their equipment, and we sell their equipment. Yeah. So, awesome. Yeah. And so you can see all what if you have questions about it, we have our number there. Give us a call. All right. Cool. Thank all right. you. Appreciate it, Daniel. Yeah. Thank welcome. you so much, Thank man. you for sitting down with us. Not a problem. Thank have you. Have a good one. Yep. Huge thanks to Heather and Daniel for sitting down with us at the Iva Clark table at Lab Day West. I'm pretty sure everybody knows that Heather and I are super good friends, but I really am proud of her and all of her success with her lab, with the NBC, and now as president of the NADL, she literally is just killing it. She's working really hard to make a difference and especially to bring more awareness of our industry and the NADL. And by the traffic at the happy hour during the show, guys, I think that it is working. She also did something at the FDLA very similar, celebrating CDT and dental technician. It was pretty awesome. And to the guy that can fix anything, Thanks for keeping all of our equipment working. I know pretty much everybody has a closet or a room full of equipment that isn't working right. Maybe, just maybe, you should send it to Carlin Dental Services to have them get it up and working again. If so, head over to garlanddental.com for more information. Awesome, everybody. That's all we got for you. And we will talk to you next week.
hiking right now just saying you're hiking yeah because this is monday and i'm in portland oregon oh so i'm hiking barbs in the woods (laughs) famous last words